morning. Um, Today's Bible reading is from Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, This is 19 to the end of the chapter. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanses from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them? And who has insulted the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember those earlier days, after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. And other times you stood side by side, with those who were so treated. He suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. You will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteousness, one will live by faith and take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. So draw near to God now, because we can. The second thing he says there is, Hold to the hope we profess. So, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Um, What does this look like? What does holding to the hope we profess look like? Um, He'll keep talking about this later in the passage, verse 32 to 39, so we'll get to that in a minute. Um, And then uh, he says also, verse 24... Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. It's that, that idea, the, you know, like the Proverbs 17, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Keep encouraging each other. Uh, maybe this is encouraging each other in, in prayer, praying for each other, or maybe, you know, encouraging each other in Bible reading, could be in giving to the poor or welcoming others into the church family. But as you live your lives together, keep in mind how you can continue to encourage each other. 
to love people and to good deeds. The next, the next thing he says is, verse 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in, in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Because meeting together is actually a really important part of Christian life. Now, I know we couldn't meet for a while because of COVID restrictions, and you know that's not what I'm talking about. But it's about doing what we can to be at church every week, to go to our small groups, to study the Bible together one-on-one as well, pray with each other, doing our best to meet together as the body of Christ as much as we possibly can. Because, I mean, how can you encourage each other without being together? It's like trying to cut down a tree with nail clippers. You could probably eventually get it done, but if you just switch tools, you're going to do a much better job and quicker too. So that's the first point. Draw near to God, hope in Him and each other. And uh, the next point there, uh, verse 26 to 31, don't keep sinning. Okay, so this is how we shouldn't, that was how we should live in light of Jesus' sacrifice. How shouldn't we live in in light of Jesus' sacrifice? Um, Don't keep sinning. Okay, there we go, easy. (laughs) Well, not quite. I, I, I I mean, I'm sure many of you are thinking, never doing the wrong thing, that's a great idea. I would love to do that, but honestly, is that even possible? I mean, isn't Jesus the only one who was able to do that? Isn't that why we're in this situation in the first place? And yes, you're right. So what's going on here? Is the author of Hebrews um, telling us to do something that's humanly impossible? Is it some kind of cruel joke? Or should we just discard it entirely? You'll be relieved to know, I don't think that's what the author's saying here. Um, the word describing the sin here deliberately um, uh, is what it says in the NIV, or you could even render it as willingly. Uh, It doesn't... It's not talking about accidental or unintentional sin. Of course, we're going to keep making mistakes. But it's one thing to sin as we try our best to live lives like Jesus. It's another thing to entirely ignore what he's done for us, and to blatantly go against what we know is right. And this is actually what's been talking about here, a willing or deliberate sin uh, after already recognizing that Jesus had to give up his life for your sin. And hopefully you picked up his big deal. Verse 26 to 27 says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left but only a fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Wow. So, if you keep going going after sin when you know that Jesus has saved you, and you shouldn't be, no sacrifice for sins is left. Only the expectation of judgment and fire. Being treated as an enemy of God. This is serious. Deliberately ignoring what Jesus has done is a very dangerous business. And there's something 
uh, is something that underpins the, the reason for the book of Hebrews. These Jewish Christians that the author is writing to, they're all wavering in their faith. They're trying to work out whether Jesus was really all that much better than what they had come from. And the author here says, not only can you have supreme confidence in Jesus, but actually you'll destroy yourself if you turn your back on him now. And to bring it home, he uses an illustration from the Old Testament. So uh, this was the Bible that the Jews had um, before Jesus came. Um, And he uses this to make a point. Uh, Verse 28. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Now, it seems pretty intense. I mean, I think it's probably hard for us to get the idea of what this would kind of mean for, for Jews, uh, rejecting the law of Moses. Um, perhaps consider what sort of offence would be caused if someone burned a US flag in front of a group of Americans. Or if you had a cartoon of the Prophet Muhammad and showed a group of Muslims. Or sent death threats to members of parliament because you don't like the way that they're doing things. I I know these examples aren't exactly alike and they're very extreme in a sense, but this is the kind of feel and visceral reaction that that we're meant to see in this. It's best to think of this symbol, this powerful symbol when you come to reading the verse. The law of Moses, it was hugely important to the nation of Israel. It was embedded deep in the minds of the Jewish Christians. So the parallel to rejecting the law of Moses and rejecting Jesus' sacrifice, that parallel was enough to make their stomachs churn. This is not something you want to do. Now, if you're new here or you're um, still exploring the idea of God and what that means for you, um, it's great to have you here today. Um, you might be, it might be confusing. What's, what's the big deal? Why is it a big deal to, to reject Jesus? And I mean, is that really something to punish people for? Um, it's a great question. I'd say part of the answer is that rejecting Jesus wasn't the original problem. Um, the the, the problem that to start with was that as, as humans, we all sin. That is, we all cause pain and hurt to, uh, to other people and especially to God. And he reminds us here uh, in the next verse, verse 30, that God will not stand for this. He will right all the wrongs in the world and give just punishments to those who have caused them. Verse 30, he says... Uh, For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Um, So it causes a problem. God's going to judge, repay everyone for the wrong deeds that we've done. But the top of the list, of course, is our rejection of God as God. Um, Followed by our own selfishness and pride, um, disrespect for other people and the creation he's created, And unfortunately, none of us can escape this punishment. None of us unless we trust in Jesus. 
the perfect man who died and rose again. The only one able to save us from ourselves and to make us right with God. So what the author is saying is, if you're under Jesus' umbrella, but you decide to step out, you're going to get wet. There's, there's nothing else that can save you from the just punishment you deserve because you've deliberately rejected the one thing that can. Therefore, don't keep on deliberately sinning. So that's point number two. And the last section, verse 32 to 39, hold on to Jesus like we did at first. The last section we're looking at today sort of brings us out of the negative and into a positive exhortation again. Um, the Hebrews are reminded of what happened when they first came to faith in Jesus. When they first started out, uh, the author reminds them again, starting in verse 32, if you've got your Bibles there. Remember those earlier days after you received the light, when you endured in a great conflict, full of suffering. Sometimes you were public, publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So actually, these people had already gone through a lot in the name of Jesus, probably more than most of us here would have experienced, probably more than we are likely to experience uh, in the rest of our lives. They suffered greatly, and they're wondering now, is it all worth it? And in a sense, like the author is reminding them here, yes, you suffered this, and it's all been for a purpose. He continues in verse 35 there. So don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he's promised. It's a reminder that their confidence isn't misplaced. Jesus is a better confidence. And despite the sufferings they've endured, it's worth everything to keep them going. And that's what they've been doing from the start. All of us know what, it's feel, what it feels like after having been young to feel old and jaded. I mean, even the younger, youngest of us here, uh, with the exception of maybe the babies, um, <laughs> even the youngest of us here, I only need to mention one thing, and I think you'll get what I'm talking about. What is that thing that I'm going to mention? New Year's resolutions. It doesn't matter what it is, deciding to exercise more, to watch TV less, to read more, to pray more, or to eat more vegetables. No matter what the resolution is, I can guarantee you'll never be more excited about that resolution than when the clock ticks over to 12.01 a.m. at the start of the new year. As the days and the weeks and months roll by, it's hard to stay excited, and we often just end up forgetting. Now, I'm not going to shame you by asking people to put up their hand if you've ever had a New Year's resolution you didn't keep. But I'm sure it is a lot of people here. And the author, is, it's that kind of idea. It's, it's almost the next level, though. They were confident in Jesus. I mean, none of us really have to suffer for our New Year's resolutions. I mean, 
those of you who are resolving to exercise more might disagree with me. But um, this kind of suffering, you know, uh, they were willing and eager almost for it. But, you know, the years wore them down, wondering, how long can you survive under this pressure? How long can your family take it? Your children, your spouse, your friends. Is it really worth the sacrifice? Can we know that Jesus is better? And the author says, no, 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 you actually had it right at the start. Verse 36, don't throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. But how soon? When's this all going to end? Well, the answer is given straight after that. Verse 37, for in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. The reminder that Jesus is returning soon. They just need to persevere a little while longer and Jesus will return to make all things right. Now, you're probably wondering how long a little while is. I mean, I say that to my children all the time. How long till we get there? A little while. Well, how long is a piece of string? The correct answer is twice half its length. But seriously, it's, it has been a long time, almost 2,000 years since the book of Hebrews was written. Is this really a little while? Well, two things on that. The first thing to remember is God is patient. He's not slow like we think of slowness. He's patient and he wants all people all across the world to hear the good news of Jesus. And we know this um, from, uh, you may have recognized the quote there, 2 Peter 3.9. He's giving time, all, all people time to repent. That's the first thing on that. The other thing is, no one person has to wait 2,000 years for Jesus to return. He's not asking you to persevere 2,000 years. We're all only given a handful of years on this earth, which by all accounts go faster than we like to admit. Just ask parents of young children, as we are at the moment. Um, they'll all tell you the days are long, but the years are short. What? It's November already? What happened? And that's what the, uh, the Hebrews are being asked to persevere through. Yes, through suffering, through long days of suffering. But through the short years of time, till they meet Jesus face to face. Because, verse 39, we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. So we need to hold on to Jesus because Jesus is our better confidence. I actually think the, that's the... The hymn Amazing Grace uh, really captures that idea of um, uh, that first excitement about Jesus um, and then how that translates to many long years. Uh, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. And then later on, when we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun, We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. I feel like that really captures how 
excitement at the first will translate into us uh, being with God forever. But you might be thinking, that's all very well and good, Malcolm, but what does it mean now to hold fast to Jesus? Hold on to him like we did at first? Well, I'd say to those of us who are feeling the the chafe of the secular culture against us uh, every day, uh, to pray. Uh, Put your trust in him in prayer. It's good to look back and see God's guiding hand on your life. Read your past prayer journals if you, if you take them or, or notes on sermons or anything like that. If you feel like you can't even do that and you're hanging on to a thread at the moment, I just say, do your best. Lean into your friends, your, your pastors, your, your leaders. Lean into them rather, rather than away from them. Tell God all your concerns in prayer. He's not going to be surprised, and he's heard far worse from other people in the past. Ask people to pray for you. I'm sure people will be delighted to pray for you. And instead of burying your doubts on Netflix or out with non-Christian friends so you don't have to talk about God because it's easier, make a conscious effort to lean into your Christian friends and pray together. Um, For those of you who are feeling close to Jesus right now, just it's good to understand that this feeling of being far away will come at some point in your life, if it hasn't already. There will be a day where you feel like giving up. The author here isn't chiding anyone for feeling that way, but instead he's encouraging them to persevere. And he reminds them that Jesus will return. So be prepared for when this time comes for you. Be prepared for the times when things are going to be hard. Write down all the good things that God is doing for you now. Journal your prayers. Write down what you've been learning from the Bible. Read your Bible and pray often. So that when you inevitably come to a hard time, a rough time, You've built up a strong relationship with Jesus. Many years of closeness to look back on. To meditate on his word and to, and, um, and to love him for his sacrifice for you. Now, if you are here and you're, you're not a Christian, um, thank you again for being here. But perhaps you might want to ask yourself, well... What, what do you feel is worth persevering, persevering to your dying breath for? Is it your wealth or job or family? But what is it that you have right now that is not going to also pass away with you? Now, this might be the reason that your Christian friend keeps harping on to you about following Jesus. Um, because following Jesus is a great assurance God himself dying in your place to make all your wrongs right. So that's why your Christian friends will ask you, will you put your trust in God or will you choose to trust yourself and fall into judgment at the hands of the living God? Which we heard is no good thing.
And, uh, and lastly, on, on that, it's actually a good reminder to all of us who do follow Jesus about giving others the opportunity to hold fast to Jesus, those who don't know him yet. That we want all of our friends, all of our family, and even those across the world, the chance to know Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus is our better and more sure confidence than anything else, that we can trust him for everything. Lord, we ask that you'd help us to hold fast to you um, in good times and bad, whether we're going well in life at the moment or hanging on by a thread. Lord, I pray that you'd uh, give each of us the courage and strength to persevere. That we would work hard to encourage each other in love and good deeds. That we would be praying for each other, looking out for each other. We ask that you'd help us not to go on sinning deliberately. We do ask, please Lord, help us to to draw near to you. And we ask also that more people would come to know and trust you. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.